Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Our goal of the show is to educate and educate you, our listeners, so that you may eradicate and dismantle racism. Today on the show, we are going to be taking a look at the healing properties of farming to dismantle racism. But before we get to that point, I want to invite you, as always, to go to my website, sacredintelligence.com, where you can find out more about the ways in which you could work with me. You can pick up a copy of my book as well, Dismantle Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out. And I want to invite you, if you've not done so, to please take a listen to my meditations that are on healing separation from the inside out. Again, that's sacredintelligence.com. I am so grateful for each and every one of you who take the time out to listen to this show. Please make sure that you subscribe to the show, uh, whatever platform that you listen to it on, and tell a friend about the show. Tell someone you know who might be doing this work or who might need to know about some ways to dismantle racism. Tell them about the show, the show and invite them to subscribe to the show. If you are interested in being a patron or a sponsor of the show, please do reach out to me. Again, go to sacredintelligence.com and reach out and let me know your thoughts about the show, whether you're interested in being a sponsor of the show and just in general, how you're doing. How are you dealing with racism in this country? How are you coping with it? How are you helping to make this world a better place by dismantling racism? All right, let's get started with the show. As always, I want to invite you, if you are able to, to just simply to close your eyes and begin to feel your breath. And I'd like you to take a deep breath in and just hold it for a second and then to release that breath. Take another deep breath in, hold it, and then release it. And as you're breathing in and out at your normal pace, I invite you to connect that breath with divine wisdom, with your sacred intelligence, that part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices, that manifest your greatness while manifesting the greatness of others. Breathe in and out and connecting your breath with the earth. If you are outside, place your feet on the ground if you could. And if you are not, just imagine yourself, bare feet, feeling the earth, connecting with the grass or the sand, whatever is beneath you. And feel that foundation of being supported by the earth. Connect with your surrounding, the trees, the flowers, taking a moment to give appreciation. Breathe in and out, recognizing that your oxygen comes through the trees. They are a source of life. I invite you to connect with the rocks that are around you. Just connect with nature as much as you can. Knowing that we coexist with one another. There's life in nature. There's signs of new beginning in nature. There's signs of longevity in nature. Nature represents us. And we represent nature. 
So just as you're breathing in and out, give gratitude for that which supports you. Give gratitude for beauty of nature, the substance of nature, the nutrients of nature. Give gratitude for the seeds that are planted, that grow into abundance, and that not only nourish you, but nourish the land and others around you. Give gratitude for the healing that takes place as we draw from nature. Just breathe in and out. Giving thanks for the rainfall. Giving thanks for the sunlight. Just connecting with whatever is around you. And know that just as nature supports itself, Know that you are supported, that there is life within you and there are others around you that are supporting you on your journey, whatever that may be. And in particular, there are others who support you in the journey to dismantle racism. And so just as we support one another, Know that it is important for us to also take care of nature, to be kind to it, to be good to it. So just connect with your gratitude and commit to taking care of that which supports you. Know that what you do matters. And so as you breathe in and out, connect with your power, recognizing that the power of one contributes to the power of community. And you are able to change the status quo. So I want you to take another deep breath in, and then I want you to sigh it out and prepare to listen in to today's show with eagerness and openness. And we say ashe, and so it is, amen. Oh, beloved, it is so good to be with you today to talk about the healing properties of farming. Less than 2% of farmers are people who are Black, and over 50% of U.S. farmers farms are run by women, according to a 2017 census report. So I was really excited to pick up on that fact. I don't think I knew that. But structural racism, of course, impacts the economic success of many farmers. And we do know that there is environmental racism that exists as well that I'm sure impacts farming. Today, though, on our show, we are going to be talking to Hazel Adams-Shango. I hope I said that correctly, who is a New England farmer. And we're going to take a look at Black American farming in the U.S. But in particular, we really want to focus on what are some of the healing properties as it relates to dismantling racism and farming. So I'm delighted to welcome to the show today, Hazel. She is currently serving as the farm production manager on a small family-owned farm in Vermont. She has three adult children and a grandson, and she provides naturally grown vegetable, herbs, and flowers to local residents and food hubs. Prior to beginning the Flying Buffalo 
um, LLC. She has served various capacities in both the federal and city uh, governments in New York. And she held public office in both Washington, D.C. and New York City. Her hobbies include crocheting and knitting and reading about African-American history and serving as her family historian. So I'd like to welcome to the show today, Hazel Adams Shango. And tell me if I didn't pronounce it right, Hazel. Uh, no, no, uh, Dr. Kerlin, you did just fine. Hazel Adams Shango, Hazel to all of my friends and family. And thank you so much for that very warm introduction. Um, that breathing exercise mm. has just connected me even further to the topic that we're here to discuss today. And mm. I'm just very grateful mm. for the opportunity. Well, I'm so grateful that you are here because I know that you don't do many of these. So I'm honored that you would take the time out of your schedule to do this because it really is important for us, you know, for me on the show, when I talk about educating folks, the education is not just about how racism shows up in life, but it's also how we heal from racism. And so it's not just simply want to focus on all the things that are going wrong in the world, but we want to focus on what's right in the world. So I want to start by asking you, I know we're going to have to take a break any, any second now, but we want to get at least this question in for you. For sure. Do you see farming and connecting with the, the environment and the planet as a sacred practice? Most definitely. I see it as a sacred practice. I see it in its spirituality and connectedness and oneness that you spoke about um, in your introduction. And it's intergenerational for me. It's also a way for me to stay connected to those who came before me oh. and those who are here and mm -hmm. those who are to come after me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in what way does it help you to connect all of, all of those? Well, when you're on the land and you're actually taking the time to plant the seeds, uh, the seed is that connectedness. I think, um, the past, present, and future are infused all in encapsulated within the concept of a seed. The seed is coming from the past from another plant. You're planting it presently to grow uh, food or provide sustenance in the future. And so that observance of the seed growing mm. lets you know that Things can start out small, things can be troubled, there can be a troubled environment, but you can still burst forth and, and grow and develop and provide sustenance for so many, and not just the one, but that mm -hmm. one seed can provide sustenance sometimes for hundreds of people in the mm -hmm. end. Mm -hmm. If you plant enough of those seeds, mm -hmm. so I like to plant seeds to provide food for the people and i like to plant seeds of healing yes i was just thinking about that if you seeds plant of those seeds of healing seeds Hazel, of healing for people mm -hmm. so i want to get into that in in a, in a little bit later in the show but i want to ask you because you just made me think about when we walk the land and when we're immersed in the land and you mentioned connecting with the people who've come before have you ever had a moment when you're working the land to just connect spiritually? Do you ever feel the, the life of the people who've come before, the spirit of the people who've come before on the land? Absolutely. Um, in our particular instance, the Flying Buffalo, um, which again is located in Vermont and in Northern Vermont in Lamoille County, we're positioned between a river mm. and a forest. And so you're actually able to sound bathe when you're on that land. We're off grid, so mm. there's no internet access, there's no electricity, there's nothing happening. You're able to listen to the bird song. Mm. You're able to listen to the river rolling across the rocks. You're able to listen to the trees in the forest, like one's about to fall, and mm. you'll hear that, mm -hmm. that, uh, that creaking and, and all of these subtle sounds 
they reach like into the very depths of your soul mm-hmm. if you allow it to mm-hmm. and and having that opportunity to have access to the land or to be present on land that offers that type of environment is a big part of being free and being able to to capture to be in the right place at the right time to capture that energy mm-hmm. and to make it work for yourself and for others. Hazel, I want to talk a little bit more about this when we come back from the break, because I'm actually thinking, about, I love that you said energy and I'm thinking about energy and I'm thinking about the souls of the people who come before. Now I know this isn't necessarily what we plan uh, to talk about, but it just feels like it's right in this moment even if I think about connecting with the ancestors or the First Nation people who were here before and honoring them in that way. We need to take a, a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation on farming and healing. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with my guest today, Hazel Adams Shango. We are talking about um, the healing properties of farming. But before the break, I was talking with you about a spiritual connection when you're on the land. And I appreciate that you said when we attune ourselves to it, we can feel the energy of it. And so many things are going through my mind right now about, you know, when I've, when I've, walked a place where um, I know the ancestors like Harriet Tubman have walked. And when I've actually seen, in fact, Harriet Tubman's shawl, I remember reaching my hand out to it and just the energy that flowed through my body because I was in tune and being connected with it. And even an incident of my dog, I took my dog into a a park that was um, where there was a Native American uh, cemetery there. And the dog just barked, barked, barked as we drove into the park. She was so agitated that I actually turned around and and took her to a different park. And so I know that the spirits are present there in some way. And I'm just wondering as you're farming, you know, does does the spirit of the people who came before um, encourage you and and give you that, that, you know, just that extra momentum that you need? And and do you ever feel overwhelmed 
by this, the, those who came before you just, you know. One thing I will say, um, and you mentioned it as we were doing the breathing exercises, you said, if you're outside, place your feet in the grass, we call that grounding. And so what grounds me in this process of learning how to farm, the action of farming, the acquisition of the farm, I have to identify and acknowledge those that came before me. In my family, my particular ancestor that really set me on this life path is my great-grandfather, Judge Scipio Africanus Jones. He was one of the first sitting uh, African-American judges in Arkansas, in the state of Arkansas. And his mother, Jemima, uh, was a person who was enslaved at the time of his birth in 1863. And his father is known to be uh, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Sanford Remy, who so-called owned his mother. And Scipio Africanus Jones stood for justice. He was an NAACP attorney. He represented 12 sharecroppers who were facing the death penalty. Um, during 1919, they call that time in history the Red Summer. Mm. There were numerous lynchings. You know, Ida mm -hmm. B. Wells worked mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. Several uh, civil rights individuals were working to prevent uh, this action that was taking place in large metropolitan cities as well as in rural areas. And although because he was African American or of African American descent, he could not. Um, present before the Supreme Court, he did write the amicus brief, the friend of the court brief, as well as the habeas corpus brief for the case Moore versus Dempsey. And that habeas corpus brief is very important because that is the brief that means bring the corpus, bring the body forward yeah. so that we can see the status of those who were in prison. Mm. And my mother, that's her grandfather, uh, she was an educator for 44 years, public educator in uh, Chicago public school systems. So summers were that time, summers were off, yeah. where I could really have her time and attention. And she would fill my summers with working in the garden with her and just telling me these stories about her grandfather. And I was like, really? Really? And I'm just a very young girl. Um, and as I became an adult, I started looking for Scipio Africanus Jones mm -hmm. in history and in the narratives. Mm -hmm. And my present work right now, just related to family very briefly, is now I found where Jemima was born mm -hmm. on a plantation named Abrams Plain in North Carolina. And that's really has led me to research the history of Black farmers um, in the United States what is my position currently in the present? Mm -hmm. And again, where will my children and my grandchildren be situated in the future? I'm always working intergenerationally when I'm, I'm working with the exactly, farm. Exactly. And then I must, there's something we do a practice that we have uh, and definitely is done here in Vermont. I have to acknowledge that the land that we lease to run our agricultural business on in Vermont is the uh, on unceded territory. Mm -hmm. of the Abenaki uh, mm -hmm. indigenous peoples of this area. Some people say Abenaki, some say Abenake. Yeah. Um, and we must give that land acknowledgement uh, to our brothers and sisters, our indigenous mm -hmm. brothers and sisters, as well as my own African ancestors um, mm -hmm. that come before mm -hmm. me. And we, we just deal with the respect on the land. So yes, you were moved by all of that. It's time to plant now. We usually do a blessing mm -hmm. around the, each of the plots that we're about to, we burn some sage, we'll say some prayers, we'll just uh, meditate as well before we engage in the process of tilling, of sowing the seeds of, of the actual activities. I have to tell you, Hazel, you, 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 you said about five different things I could, I could go there and talk about with you. Uh, I just, you know, want to just acknowledge how you are weaving history your love of history, your love of figuring out your, your, your family's history with your love of farming. But really, what you really talked about is the significance 
of our ancestors' work years ago because we don't read about those things in the history book, but you are talking about, look, this is who I come from. So when you see me, I have this strong history right here. My grandfather was a judge, right? And these are the things that he fought for. And I think that this is why it's important for us to tell our children the story, why it was important for your grandmother to tell you the story so that you know who you come from, that people have been fighting this for years. So you've just really enlighten our, our listeners about a lot of things, particularly as it related to farming, as it related to lynching, you know, as well. And so I do um, appreciate that. And I appreciate the work. Thank you. Uh, thank you to your grandfather for the work uh, that your grandfather did. But the other thing that you you pointed out here, which is not necessarily related to farming, but it's really important for our listeners to know that most of us, most of us Black people are only about two generations or so removed from enslavement. And that's pretty significant when we think about how long it takes us to heal from any type of trauma, but generational trauma in particular. I, 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 I would definitely agree with you on that point. Um, I, in some of the research that I've been doing just about Black farmers, again, and related to the family, the, the 1619 Project, I'll bring that up, um, which uh, has caused uh, quite a stir with regards mm -hmm. to school curriculums and what direction we're going to go with that and, and re a retelling of our narrative by ourselves, by our own selves, by our personal selves, individuals and families. But in 1619, for Jamestown, Virginia, there is um, a log of a sailor that came across and they brought 20 some uh, persons who were enslaved. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like to refer to our peoples as slaves that That's objectifies right. and right. humanizes that whole, but persons who were enslaved um, and from, from, I believe the Congo, Angola, actually, no, Angola. And because the Portuguese were involved in a war with the folks indigenous to that area of the country we now call Angola in Africa. And so these 20 individuals were brought to Jamestown, Virginia in 1619 and were traded for food. Mm. And that is the first recorded in a mm. log of an exchange of a human being for a material life mm -hmm. in North America, mm -hmm. meaning the, in these, what they're called, these United States, but also known as Turtle Island. Turtle Island. And so I find, so that 1619 date can be a starting point for many historically, mm -hmm. as we look at uh, Africans or people of African descent being involved in agriculture in these United States. Ooh, so, so again, we have been involved since, you know, uh, uh, very early on, we've been in, instrumental in helping this country to be what this country is, right? And we do know that many of the foods that we eat, like you said, they're actually brought from other other places, right? Um, Hazel, we're going to take a break. Mm -hmm. And when we come back, I really would like to hear, you know, you, you worked in city government for a while in politics. What brought you back to your roots, though? And then I want to make sure that we're, we're talking about what, what do you see as some of the healing modalities that farming offers as it relates to uh, just dismantling racism, but healing within ourselves. How do we use farming to help us heal? How is it therapeutic? So we're gonna come back and finish this conversation with you. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism, 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back with the Dismantle Racism Show, and we're talking today about the healing properties of farming, among other things. Hazel, you know, what brought you back? So you always appreciated, you know, farming and your connection with that, but you obviously left that for a while to go work in other avenues. So what was the thing that brought you back home to farming? The one thing that has always grounded me all of my life, my children. So oddly enough, so I was growing up in Chicago uh, on the South side, both my father and my mother gardened, they grew things in the backyard. Both my father and mother were both uh, originally raised in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Mm. My grandparents had a homestead there right along the Mississippi River. So in the summers, there were chickens and things of that. But those were very early memories that elementary school years. As I went into high school and college, I would have never thought to go into agriculture, even as uh, a profession. In fact, it's often in my generation, say class of 79, entering freshman year of college, it was thought never to go back to the land, Mm. that we were to elevate and to rise ourselves up, raise ourselves up. So we were supposed to be the doctors, the lawyers, um, the dentists, the architects. Our parents and our our grandparents had fought so hard through Jim Crow, through Mm -hmm. the civil rights movement of the 60s. This was our opportunity to attend a four-year university and to become a licensed and certified professional. So agriculture was never thought of as a career option. However, um, after raising the children in New York and Washington, D.C., and I served on various um, public education councils, also advisory neighborhood commissioner in Washington, D.C., for the Adams Morgan community there, for those who are familiar. I've always had this calling to public service, but during the pandemic, my children called me to Vermont. (laughs) Two of my three adult children resided here at the time. Mm -hmm. And they were like, mom, we're really very concerned about you staying in New York on your own during this time. Mm -hmm. And my youngest, little Hazel, is actually a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. So she was very concerned health-wise even because New York was one of the earlier epicenters. Yeah. And so I came up just for a while, just kind of like to visit. But when it looked like things got more serious, then I said, OK, I'll stay here for a while and, you know, see how things go. But I was always interested in planning for my retirement. Mm. So about five years ago, 
I just started thinking about things I'd still like to stay active. What could I do? And I was originally interested in hydroponic farming, which mm -hmm. is the use of water only yeah. and liquid nutrients to grow plants. But as I came here to Vermont and I actually took a farm immersion course for a one week intensive where we were on a local farm in Waitsfield, Vermont, and they taught us how to plant the seeds, how to harvest, how to run um, your stand, and all, all the aspects of, of running and operating a farm. I said, this is something I can do. I can get hands in the dirt here. Yes, yes. I love that. You actually just took me back to my roots because while we didn't have a farm, we had, we had a couple of cows, we had some pigs or hogs, and we had, I wouldn't call it a garden. We used to call it a field because it was so long and you had to go out there and chop it. And, and you know, you had to pick your peas, your greens, your, you know, watermelon, whatever, squash, whatever you had. And it's interesting because you're taking me back to those days of sitting and shelling the peas and canning and all of that. I know how to do none of that now. <laughs> You just, you, it, it's practice makes perfect. You just well, have it, to it, it's, really, it's really what you said, though, that, that we weren't taught that this is what we were going to come back to. But tell us, how do you see farming as being healing? And I, I really have to, I can't emphasize it enough for me, having raised the children in very large urban areas, whether it was Washington, DC, Chicago, New York, and especially New York, very large mega cities, concentrated areas. There was very little fresh air. We had noise pollution. I remember in the early 2000s, having to travel about 45 minutes just to get organic vegetables. They weren't in our local grocery stores in the inner city urban areas prior to 2000. Prior to 2000, organic vegetables were very difficult to find. Um, although the organic movement since the 90s actually in the late 80s had actually been going and growing naturally always. Um, George Washington Carver showed us that at Tuskegee. They, we call him the father, you know, of just Oh, what do we call it? Like of oh, conservation agriculture. He made so many things with those goobers and all of those, all of those items. But what happens here for us at least, or for me, is that taking a step back from all that energy in the city, negative energy, and actually to be able to come to a place like Vermont, which has less than 1 million in population in the whole state. There are only about 690,000 people here. So there's a lot of space. There's a lot of fresh air. And actually taking the time to reflect on my experiences and to say, hey, I'd like to make a different choice with the remaining years of my life. Um, I, I'd like to move in a different step. And the, the other piece that for me, that has been working on my own personal healing is I wanted to be able to produce something and not simply consume it. Oh. I, had, I had been a producer all of my life. I mean, a consumer all of my life and I'm purchasing and I'm doing all these things, but I wanted to produce and I wanted to produce not only for my family, my children, but for others in my community, wherever I may find myself, I find myself in community. Oh. And that's why I always serve. So I was trying to figure out, oh, what is going to be my role here in Vermont? You know, in Washington, D.C., I was an advisory neighborhood commissioner in New York. I was community education council person. Um, what am I going to do here in Vermont as a service? And I'm going to feed the people. So it sounds like, you know, when I think about what you're saying around healing, the mere fact that we're doing something where we're producing and we're contributing is a healing property in and of itself. And I would imagine that seeing something grow and come to life is therapeutic, you know, because I'm always as a psychologist thinking about the therapy part of it. But just the fact that you're creating something that you're in harmony with nature is, is a healing uh, element as well. You know, watching it just blossom. And I, I would even say, 
it's a partnership. A lot of folks, a lot of farmers will use the word stewardship when it comes to land because mm -hmm. we use our phrase um, givers of care instead mm -hmm. of caregiving. We're mm -hmm. givers of care to the land. And mm -hmm. so it's about stepping into the circle of reciprocity within the universe even i taught my children that as i reared them that we are a family we are a team mm -hmm. and we need to share with one another our both our good things and some of the traumas that we've experienced will carry will shoulder that load along with you as mm -hmm. well that is a part of being a family but you must step in into the circle of reciprocity and mm -hmm. so for individuals who look to the land for healing, it's about stepping into the circle of reciprocity with Mother Earth mm. and being open to receiving what she has to offer, which mm -hmm. is a great deal of abundance. Mm -hmm. But also when you're planting, there, there are rainstorms, there are floods, there are pests. There, the deer will eat everything that you have, you know, sometimes. And so if you look at nature, it's 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 exactly how life operates. Yeah. If you just look around you in oh. nature. It's mm -hmm. exactly how uh, life operates, and it's in seasons. Mm. And there's a time for everything. So I know uh, Hazel, just from uh, being a part of some of your work before, you've talked about you know these various dimensions of wellness and healing as it relates to farming. So talk a little bit and you've already begun to talk about that but but i've heard you speak in the past about um like the spiritual piece the social cultural can you speak a little bit about how that connects with wellness and healing so i have um an internal concept that i've been developing that you you know are somewhat familiar with about these there are there are recognized dimensions of wellness spiritual wellness, social wellness, economic, health and wellness, financial, they're environmental, there are these areas, but those are also areas that could be perceived as areas of harm as well. When we start talking about racism, or we start talking about uh, discrimination and bias, because if we don't have access to uh, good health care, Mm -hmm. or adequate health care or culturally sensitive health care, then we will experience a harm in that area. And we need to step into the circle to nature's circle of reciprocity so that we can heal ourselves by maybe taking ourselves to a different environment, mm -hmm. even in and of itself. I think for me, from a social perspective, I am able to speak to people of other cultures about farming universally. Now, other areas may become very hypersensitive and, and hyperfocal around race mm. and ethnicity and culture. But one thing that I've noticed about farming for me, and that has helped to heal me in regards to interacting with diverse populations, is that's something that we can all talk about mm. um, without um, a great deal of reproach right right so so before we we take another break again so that some of the social cultural uh healing how does it help us mentally and emotionally from that intellectual place other dimensions of health do include mental and emotional so in my construct that i configure even for myself and that i practice the mental is more that's more of my thoughts hmm. The emotional, I kind of characterize as more of my feelings. And they're coming from two different places um, or originating from two different places. And so I try to heal my mindset, mm. my mental, my thoughts with just becoming one with nature, becoming one with this process of growth and development. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm actually engaged in. Mm -hmm. I'm not engaged in harming anything i'm engaged in growing and developing something from the emotional and my feelings i notice that i'm much more relaxed when i'm on the land yeah i notice that i'm much i can breathe differently mm -hmm. the, the air is cleaner 
It's mm-hmm. fresher, much fresher than it was in the Bronx, New York, right? It's just, we have tons of pollution and tons of things. And when I saw myself healing, it was really through the reflection of my children. Mm-hmm. They began to notice, mom, you, you're really looking better. You're much more relaxed. You're, and this was during a time of COVID that they're telling you. Exactly, wow. exactly. And yeah. then my, my eldest son, and I'll, I'll just close this segment out briefly. My eldest son told me uh, last season, last summer, he said, that's where you belong. Mm. I, I saw you. I see you. Mm. And you are at peace there. And that alarmed me at one point. It's like, oh, wow, he's never really seen me at peace because I've always been working and right, right, going right. to graduate school. And well, our kids are our best teachers, right? Exactly. So whenever I hear things, I get that confirmation from my children or from other family members, then I know I'm in the right place. Yeah. Right, well, we have to take a real, really quick break. And when we come back for our final segment, I'd like you to really tap into like the physical and the financial healing modalities as well. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with the Dismantle Racism show. Hazel, if you would talk to me a little bit about the physical um, healing properties of being out on the land. Absolutely. When you're out on the land, it it engages all six senses Mm -hmm. or five senses of sight. You're, you're seeing the most beautiful flora and fauna environment. You're hearing, I'm listening to the bird song again, listening to the river, listening to animals rustling, those kinds of things. Your touch, you, got, you put the hands in the dirt and the dirt has all kinds of um, special properties that help produce endorphins in your mind to help you feel happier and better. And so it, and doing the actual physical work and labor, staying fit, using, you know, your arms, your legs, and and just the work that you're engaged in, it keeps your body moving. Mm-hmm. It, it keeps your focus on just what you're doing there with the land. Your mind doesn't travel as far. Mm-hmm. But that sixth sense, your third eye, this the spiritual piece. And, and that's just, a, I would even call it an awakening. And each person has that experience with working on land 
at their own pace, at their own time. And it's especially and expressly for you. No one else will get that same message spiritually that you will receive uh, through your experience. Mm-hmm. That, um, there, there are financial aspects as well to health and wellness and and bootstrapping the farm, financing the farm. That's actually been a lot of the political and economic struggle that the Black farmers have been engaged in with the United States Department of Agriculture. And I I believe there's um, the court cases, Pickford versus, I just can't think of the other Yes, from 2019 or so, right? Exactly. But that issue right there was... Black farmers went to the USDA and with complaints and saying we're not having access to the loans. They grant a lot of money. And so financially, you can do farming at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Whatever seeds are very inexpensive. Just if you know, uh, you can get a packet full of seeds for $2 or under sometimes $1.29 for some string beans. A packet of string bean seeds, you generally have about 25, sometimes maybe up to 50 seeds in one packet. But that will provide 25 servings, 50 uh-huh. servings of beans uh-huh. for uh-huh. someone. So it's not as difficult as one would think in that sense. But you do have to put your financial house in order so that you can prioritize the time you want to spend on the land how much money you want to spend there, what types of things that you need to do in order to ready yourself. Mm. But you know what I hear you saying, though, just in giving that example about the packet of seeds. So farming can be financially lucrative and, and if we plan for it properly. But I also hear you saying, even with our own home and our own space, if we want to be mindful, if we want healthy food, and also it would help us probably bring down our grocery bill if we did more farming. Uh, I wish I could say I was inspired to go out and do this, but I'm excited about what you're saying, but I know it probably won't be uh, the thing that I do personally. And yet I want to just ask this question because it actually is something that I've thought about for our church. Lots of places pop up these farms in the city areas. If they have a, a little plot of land, that they do farming where we can start to do this. And so it might be a good idea for people who may not have that green thumb or time to do this. They could start programs, right? In their city areas or land. Can you speak to that just for a little bit? Urban farming is taking the United States by storm. It was already in motion. I could see it in New York, community gardens, rooftop gardens. Um, My daughter, participated in an internship when she was in middle school at what we called the Bronx Green Machine, and they were doing vertical agriculture. Mm -hmm. And that was a decade ago. But because of the pandemic, I I think um, having to spend time with the family, um, supply chains being broken for a significant amount of time, people actually had to reflect And again, that was that process for me coming up here. I had time to finally self-reflect and say, hmm, I could actually be growing something here. But there is funding with the USDA for community gardens. There's funding for churches who are nonprofits, generally. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of grant funding out there. So you don't even have to take out a loan when you're engaged in uh, nonprofit, um, social enterprises, things of that nature. Um, there, There is a profit to be made in farming, but that's after you have increased your ability to produce. And it, it, it's a time sensitive kind of issue. You're actually thought in farming to be a beginning farmer for the first 10 years. Wow. You're, you don't become a journeyman farmer until after your 10th year. Wow. So well, you, you know, spend a lot of time learning. Hazel, listen, 
you know, you have been such a delight to have on the show. We actually have gotten lots of comments from people saying how they love today's show and, and the topic that we're talking about. So I just want to thank you for being on the show. And I, of course, I want to thank my listeners as well. But Hazel, before we wrap up, um, do you have some words that you want to offer to us, some words of, of uh, inspiration or what drives you or move you? Absolutely. Um, Reverend Dr. Carolyn, again, thank you so much for having me today. I am always so inspired when I hear you speak. And so to be in communion and in the space with you today has just really been an honor uh, for me and a, and a treasure. I just want to encourage people. There is a verse from Daniel 12. I mean, sorry, chapter 12, verses one through four. It says, they that be wise shall shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, as the stars forever and ever. And that's how I see my ancestors. Mm. They're that light. Whenever there's the darkness, whenever I'm thinking there's self-doubt, am I going to be able to plant these thousand beets in the next two weeks? Are we, out, are we going to be able to pay for this high tunnel or, or pay for this or pay for that? I kind of just look towards my life, mm. which is my spiritual center and the creator of the universe. And as I recognize as God, but I want people to seek their light. Yeah. And let your light shine as bright as the stars do at night in the firmament. And mm. you will find your way to some part of the land, if not to recreate, to grow, if not to grow, perhaps to offer business consultation to young Black farmers that are looking forward uh, to participating in this process and this act of healing. Identify and acknowledge that you want to be healed and you want some place on the land to do that. Mm. Then begin to educate yourself. Yeah. So that's what they like. Um, we actually do have to wrap up, but tell me again, that was Daniel 12. And what was the verse? That was Daniel 12 verses one through four. Daniel 12 verses one through four. Hazel, again, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I am honored that you would be here, especially since I know that this is, is you don't give too many of these interviews. So I'm really grateful for you. Grateful for my listeners. Thank you so much for commenting. Please continue to, to pour your comments and your questions out to us at sacredintelligence.com or on our Facebook page as well. Stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to grow through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 